Once again, welcome to my podcast. Come freely, go safely, and leave something of the happiness you bring. Hello, and welcome to the Four Color Nerds Cut the Cord Podcast, episode 23. I'm Fraulein Hannah of Silesia, and I'm joined by some other streaming media nerds. Alistair von Schwanstucke. Guten Abend. Ryan, our accountant. Hello. And Amanda, the other one. Hey, guys. Welcome, Amanda. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. Together, we take on television for those who have cast off the tyranny of their local cable provider. Each week, we gather here to find a great show and stake some vampires. We find a great show to watch from the often overwhelming variety of shows to choose from. We review the prior week's selection, and then we pick a new show and do it all over again. This is a review show, y'all, so there will be spoilers. This week's show is Netflix's Castlevania. Dun, dun, dun. Our companion song is the opening theme by Trevor Morris. Let's take a listen. The show is based on Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse by Konami. Konami. Why couldn't I say that right? Konami. You were on our video game podcast. I was. (laughs) It was written by Warren Ellis of Trans Metropolitan, R.E.D., The Authority, and Stormwatch. Warren Ellis is amazing. I don't know if you guys listen to our comics podcast or not, but we're currently reviewing his reboot of The Wildstorm. So if you like this, you might want to check that out because he is an amazing writer. He really is. Weird, but amazing. It was directed by Sam Dietz and Castlevania is starring Richard Armitage as Trevor Belmont. (laughs) What the hell was that? (laughs) Well, that's kind of how he says it. It gets all throaty. It's Belmont. Belmont. He doesn't enunciate the T very often. We know him from The Hobbit. Also, North and South, if you're into... Heck yeah, we do. BBC period dramas. Yeah, that's right. Very, Mm. very yes. Very yes. He wears breeches real well, (laughs) y'all. And also hot is James Callis as Adrian Tepes. Tepes. More commonly known as Algucard, dramatically. It's Dracula backwards. I didn't realize that until Wikipedia explained that to me. You know, I'm all about my growth areas, y'all. Wow, that sounds really dirty. <laughs> I have a t-shirt that says that, but it's not received as well. Oh. Oh, man. But we know James Callis from Battlestar Galactica and Bridget Jones, and he's great. And Graham McTavish, or is that Graham? Graham. Graham. Graham McTavish as Vlad Tepes Dracula, and he was in the season of Red Dwarf I didn't actually watch, and The Hobbit. Sorry, I just remembered who James Callis is. He's Gaius Baltar. Yes, he's Gaius Baltar. I also totally forgot he was in Bridget Jones. I never made that connection. And we have Alejandra Reynoso as Saifa Bernades. The only person on the show who has a non-British accent. Right. <laughs> we'll get into that, I'm sure. And then Tony Amendola as the Elder. He's on Stargate SG-1 and Once Upon a Time. Matt Frewer as the Bishop. He was on Max Headroom. He is Max Headroom. 
He was. And Emily Swallow as Lisa Depesh. And she's on The Mentalist and Supernatural. The music was composed by Trevor Morris. He does a pretty good job of setting the mood with the music. Like, it doesn't overwhelm the scenes, but it does give you that lift where it needs. It gives it the mood and the depth. It does the job of good background music, for sure. So, the plot of Castlevania. Lisa, she comes into Dracula's house and she's like... I want to be a real doctor, not a witch. And Dracula is impressed with her. They fall in love. One thing leads to another. The skeletons outside his house don't make her run away screaming. (laughs) Yeah, she's very weird and brave, (laughs) I guess. She's into him. She's into the skeletons. She's into it. Seriously. She convinces him to stop impaling people for a while and occupy the world as a man and travel as a man until she is burnt at the stake for being a witch by the very people she's trying to help. Very sad. Then Dracula vows vengeance and gives them a year. And then after which he's going to summon demons from hell to kill everybody. I think it's interesting, really, that the only reason they're able to take her is because he is off traveling the world as a man, so he's not there to actually... Like she told him to do. Right, and that's part of why he resents it so much, is because he was Mm -hmm. being human, and that's what got her killed. As she is at the stake, slightly crisping, she's crying out, please don't blame them. It's a very Jesus-esque moment. They know not what they do. Yeah. I think she literally says that. It's on the nose. She's a lot nicer than I would have been about that. (laughs) But then again, she passed through some skeletons and lots of impaled people because she wanted to be a doctor and help people. So Lisa plus Vlad equals Adrian. Which is going to a whole Twilight thing, which I really get sickened about. Vampires are dead. They can't procreate in the normal ways. Maybe he did it with magic. Science. Maybe he glitters. God's sake. I mean, each vampire property has its own rules about what they can and can't do, right? It's true. Apparently, he can get children on a human woman. This is Dracula. Oh, I'm sorry. Or are you talking about real vampires? (laughs) Like you guys on the weekend. Well, we have rules. Hey, there are Dampiers, buddy. There are four-point anarch (laughs) men. But that's only for, like, really thin blood. And we know Dracula's at least... Sixth gen. It doesn't really work in that regard. (laughs) (laughs) But Alucard is much more like his mother than his father. Yes. He's even blonde like her. Yes, he's exactly like his mother, male and a vampire. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) He has mercy and empathy. Yeah, he's pretty and he loves humans. Yeah, he is very pretty. Also, he fights with a really long sword. Alucard tries to stop Dracula on his quest, and they fight, and he gets ripped in half. Oh, is that what we were supposed to assume? We'll get to it. Like, sometimes it's really graphic, and then sometimes it's not. It's a bloody show, absolutely. I don't know if it's just because I don't watch a lot of anime, but the violence here shocked me more than, like, a Game of Thrones. Yeah, there's entrails. It would show things that live action shows would would cut away from like babies dismembered on the ground and Lisa's body just like crumbling off of the thing she's tied to it just Mm -hmm. they were unshy about that stuff and it wasn't just the ridiculous squirting blood uh, kind of anime style I guess 
guess it's more like Attack on Titan in the graphicness. So Adrian challenges his father, gets defeated, but not dead because vampires. And then we flash forward to Trevor Belmont having a really interesting encounter with some peasants in a tavern. The conversation that they're having. <laughs> yeah, we get lots of exposition. They have really excellent, excellent conversations. very earthy. <laughs> Just very earthy and stereotypical only with a goat instead of a sheep. But then somebody offers up a sheep later for unholy Congress. <laughs> For such a short amount of time that we get this show, I'm really glad they described in such loving detail this shovel incident in the bar. It was just a great way of spending the time. How a goat got destroyed by some man. Yep. Caught in mid-Congress by another guy with a shovel. The owner of said goat who took exception. And blinded the dude. Yeah. And then got punished for blinding him. Such is the world, you guys. Ain't that always the way. Ain't that the shit. All right. Gross story and conversation. The peasants realized that Trevor is a Belmont and blame him for the demons and Dracula and vampires and such, even though in the expositional description, his family had been devoted to defeating the terrors of the underworld and then ended up being excommunicated from the Catholic Church because they were using magic and evilness according to the church. So we follow Trevor into the city of Gracious and he meets a speaker being accosted by some priests who are not very priest-like. Oh, ye of little knowledge. They're not the way they're supposed to be. Obviously not, but it could be a medieval priest. They're battle priests. They're like thugs and thieves. They serve the church. He does battle. I do think it's important to note that there was only four episodes in the first season. Yes, it's a quick watch. And they are very short. A short movie at that. Yes, this is basically a movie that you'll watch. It feels like the first movie in a Mm -hmm. series, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yes. Season two, which is going to be eight episodes, has already been greenlit. And there's actually quite a saga about the production of this they've been working on this since 2008 wow wow development hell yeah originally when he wrote it it was going to be a series of straight to video movies and then it got picked up by netflix and had to chop up the script into seasons Hmm. well that makes sense it definitely doesn't feel like it was written for this format it just feels too short way too short we're left hanging there's a suspenseful ending and now we have to wait for the next installment like peasants like peasants about to be stuck on Spikes. I will say, it did remind me in the way that it's set up of the early versions of Doctor Who, you know, pre-Christopher Eccleston, when they were done in a series format. All the episodes were relatively short, but they all went together to form one big story. I really, really enjoyed this series. I felt like it was way too short. Like, I was left unsatisfied in that regard. Yes. But everything I got, I was just, I was loving. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Just drawn in by the voice acting and the plot. It was actually really, really interesting because I don't usually go for like oh this was a video game and now we've made it into a show or a movie or something I usually usually those don't turn out well. no I think this probably is one of the better adaptations of a video game because it's not really a literal translation of a, say a video game level made into a story or something it's more about kind of the mm-hmm. world and expanding that out I think that's a really wise decision and the characterization is done really well it feels more like an animated novel you know, in pictures form yeah so it's like mm-hmm. a film pictures that move and have sound it's amazing this is a new concept i just heard myself once he rescues this speaker from greece what happens at that he speaks with them there's more exposition we learn more about the speakers and they're they're like romani wanderers 
They're nomadic. They're science magicians. There's that fun conflation of science and magic in this that's present with Dracula and with the speakers, where it's not often you see the fantasy side of things be so mechanical. It's almost like steampunk, where they associate anything that has gears and moving mechanical parts. And electricity. That's vampire stuff. They kind of occupy that time where alchemy and chemistry are starting to separate from each other in a way, but are very closely intertwined. I do want to point out for the record that the real Vlad Tepes didn't have access to electricity. This is entirely made up for the show. He didn't have a magical castle of gears and traps that could teleport throughout the world? That's right. Huh. He couldn't actually turn himself into various animals. And he also didn't have control over the legions of the damned. He was the defender of the faith. Defender of the faith in this day and age does not exactly inspire confidence. Put it this way, he protected his people and he used the fear he generated from his reputation to keep his enemies at bay. In essence, for the time, a great, great leader. Ask someone from Romania what they think about Vlad Tepes. Guardian angel or avenging demon, I mean, it's the same thing depending on what side of that blade you're standing on. (laughs) So anyway, we speak with Trevor. He's the classic reluctant hero. He keeps being drawn into conflict. He's very much the anti-hero. Yes, and he's constantly intoxicated. Speaking of intoxicated, uh, can we just appreciate Richard Armitage's drunk voice? Yes! He did a very good drunk voice. His drunk voice is really good. The voice acting is very good, but not just the acting, the scripting is absolutely fantastic. The banter, the comedic pacing... It really relieves some of the awful things you're seeing with this sort of light humour that Trevor Belmont is infused with. He really makes a very light situation mm-hmm. a very dark one. For instance, there's a scene where a speaker is being accosted by these two priests that we talked about earlier, and he mutilates them with a whip. <laughs> and he's like, I'm drunk. Yes. I'm out of practice. You should consider yourself lucky you're alive. It's very funny. It's worth seeing it just for the banter. For something that's so over-the-top fantastical in tone and in just plot, this could have very easily gone way cheesy. The dialogue could have been just mm-hmm. super silly, and they managed to make it feel natural. Good for you, Warren Ellis. Yeah, they really ground it in the dirt and the common people. Like, there is supernatural elements but they're used almost sparingly in Castlevania. Mm -hmm. When the monsters appear, it's shocking and towards the end. Like, you see them in shadows and lurking around, but it's really not until the end that they make their full appearance. And the magic happens, literally. So the speakers, they're missing one of their members because there's this prophecy that there Mm -hmm. is a... Sleeping warrior. And one of their members has gone missing to find it. Into the catacombs. And Trevor wants the speakers to leave the city because there's a mob coming for them. They're going to kill them to try and drive off these monsters. And he agrees to go down into these catacombs catacombs and find this lost person and if he does so they're supposed to leave that night so he goes down there and eventually encounters the stone-eyed cyclops which also turns you into stone so we're mixing some greek creatures there but it's well done it's a good fight scene throughout the whole chain of episodes you do see trevor belmont's skills improving he has a bar fight where he gets his ass kicked but wins you see him against these two priests who are armed and he sees them off he goes he gets hit in the nuts a lot 
Belmont. Trevor Belmont says at one point that he's the last Belmont, and I think he's going to stay the last Belmont because there's no way he's having kids after this. They set up that as a, a technique in almost every single fight, and then when he's fighting Alucard at the end, and he also goes for the nut shot and knees him. <laughs> <laughs> Alucard just looks at him like he's a fucking asshole, and he's like, this isn't a bar fight. Have some class. <laughs> Great. That kind of humor is peppered throughout. It's amazing. So yeah, so he dispatches the, the one-eyed monster. Oh my god. <laughs> Listen, if you didn't catch that reference, then that's on you. So the death of the Cyclops allows the statues that it has created to turn back into their original forms, and in the middle of the room turns out to be the speaker which he was looking for. And it's also kind of cool, the other statues that are broken end up just being bloody, broken, and decapitated bodies that are in the room. They go back and he has that confrontation with the bishop. They say fuck a whole lot. This is not a children's <laughs> show. In case you didn't know that from the babies being ripped in half and the entrails. If you have more of a problem with all of the fucks than the baby entrails, then we need to have a talk. <laughs> You have wrong priorities, my friend. America has messed up priorities on violence and sex. And there's very little, if no, sex. I don't think he has time. Or a love interest. Yeah. Yeah, there's no tension or attraction between Sypha and... Well, I think they're probably setting up that I hate you, but I secretly love you kind of tensions. I think canonically, they do end up making a Belmont together. And then that's the last Belmont. Can we talk real quick about how good Matt Ferrer is yes. as a bishop? Yes, he's so evil. He's one of the most pure evil characters mm-hmm. I've seen in yeah. a long time. Is he evil though? Yes, he is. When the demon enters the church, the demon should not be able to enter the church if God was there. And the demon has this amazing scene with Mm -hmm. the bishop where he tells him that God isn't here. And so you might just say, well, maybe religion isn't true in this world. But you know that's not true because later there's another priest who is actually able to bless holy water and affect those demons. So the bishop has lost faith. Has unsanctified the church by his presence, by being an evil git. He burnt a doctor at the stake. That doesn't make you evil in the Middle Ages. I don't care how much you believe in burning human beings alive being the right thing. It's not the right thing. Obviously, I would agree. Hot take. Don't put words into my mouth. God damn. No. <laughs> in the backward culture, in the Middle Ages. Listen, Johanna, you're the primary suspect here. Listen, I don't agree with this. I don't think you should burn people at the stake. I thought such <laughs> things needn't be said. But obviously, I must be very clear, I don't think it's okay to burn fellow human beings unless it's in the act of cremation. Superstition was the powerful thing, and religion was meant as a method of both control and to make people feel comfortable and safe, to give them something to cling to. Mm-hmm. When outsiders made trouble, how does the community come together? By turning against them, and that could be either invaders or people who make trouble. And we know that she was a good person, because of the encounter between Dracula and the old woman. But the church, in its infinite wisdom, used to believe that actual science was the work of the devil. Does that mean it's right? Mm -hmm. No, obviously. But that's how it was. This show is almost positing that they were right, that science and the demonic slash supernatural have something in common, and they're sort of allied with each other. Right. In that way, the advancement of human technology of science is seen as a step towards evil. And that's not just by the church, it's by the people as well, who go along with what's happened. 
And that's another theme that runs through the story. Anyone can take action to change a thing that's happening. They just choose not to. Yeah, that's echoed by a couple of different characters. They say in it, the only thing that it takes for evil men to rise to power is for good men to remain silent and to not say that this should not happen. Dracula specifically says when he's confronting them about the burning of the stake that any one of them could have said stop and none of them did. And then Trevor says the same thing later on. Mm -hmm. This show really does have that element of the choices you make do matter. That you're responsible for your own moral fate in this world. That everyone has the power to make those kind of decisions and there are consequences for them. Good and bad. So sometimes when you're doing the right things, you get kicked in the nuts for it. Or burned at the stake for it. That's the truth. There will be a backlash against change, against someone standing up and changing the course of things. So that's just one of those things. But to sit by and let it happen, Trevor is certainly unwilling to do that and he'll gripe and bitch about it the whole way but (laughs) at least he'll do something to change it i really did like once trevor decides that saving this town is actually worthwhile because for a long time he has no interest whatsoever in saving the town and then once he decides to do it i enjoy the way he was able to kind of rally the people together and kind of snap out of that drunken haze and become an actual leader of the people and pull them all together and use all the resources he had exactly he embraces his birthright he becomes what his family was always meant to be. He was resisting it the whole way. Anybody else laugh when he called the bishop snake-fuckingly crazy? (laughs) Yes! (laughs) That was great. (laughs) It's like Trevor was a voice of the present looking into the world of the past. He's almost like a time traveller in his views and opinions. I think that's quite an interesting take. The Belmonts know more than most people because they have confronted the darkness and they use both magic and technology. Precisely. So he has a greater perspective than your average peasant does. And the opportunity, I guess, being a Belmont to learn things as opposed to people who are just grubbing around and trying to keep people from fucking their goats. (laughs) God. I do think that the show had a pretty strong theme about organized religion being essentially corrupt, but that Mm -hmm. faith itself and by extension, the divine is real. I thought that was an interesting take that they had. They expressed that thematically and the plot backs that up. That The bishop and his men who follow him and are following him rather than God, they are corrupt and brutal. And when the demons arrive, there there is no God there to protect. But the kind mm-hmm. of like the village priests who are actually standing with the people, they are able to call upon the divine. The head demon guy makes reference to God being real. I think the bishop says something like, I've made him my life's work. And the demon says, your life's work makes him puke. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene at the end where the demon is hovering over him, almost like aliens with the mouth with all the fangs. It's like, here, let me give you a kiss. And then you hear this like crunching noise and blood. Oh, so awesome. I was slightly disappointed that we just hear the crunch and then see some artistic splashes of blood. Yeah, that's when it decides to get shy. I think the power of suggestion. Kind of wanted a little bit of impaling. Although I think he's open to suggestion. Does he actually die from what happens to him? Or is he just... uh... Or is he corrupted and turned into a pawn of these demonic forces? Oh, that's a good point. We see all of these other people get disemboweled and various horrible things happen to him. And the one really, really bad guy, it just, it doesn't. The demon even says, he likes him 
for what he's done. Because without the bishop, they wouldn't even be there. So maybe he'll be in the, the next episode and he'll be like a weird... Pawn of Dracula. He sure did make a lot of blood come out, though. The show wraps up at the end with a climactic battle between Trevor and Alucard in Alucard's crypt. And we learn more about the prophecy, which involves a sleeping warrior, a hunter, and a... A scholar. All coming together to form a super band of wandering killers. It's a really good fight scene. As I was alluding to earlier, the escalation of fight scenes get better and better. I very mm-hmm. much enjoyed the dialogue between Trevor and Alucard. I thought it was very good. The exploration of belief versus knowledge. I think that fight scene is interesting because it's not just a physical fight. They're both trying to determine who the other person is. Mm-hmm. Alucard knows if he actually is a Belmont and Vampire Slayer that he's going to need him. But if he's just some drunken person who has no value, then he doesn't want anything to do with them. Trevor is convinced that he is an evil vampire and needs to be destroyed. So they have to battle each other, testing each other, and learning about each other at the same time. So it's like a multi-level thing that's going on. It's done really it's well. It's done very well. There's layers. Layers, like an onion. It does end in a really 80s slow walk of the team. <laughs> I don't think they yeah. actually high-five each other, but... <laughs> How the team got together. There's an explosion in the background that they're slowly walking away from. Exactly. The boys are back in town. Transform and roll out. They all put on sunglasses at the same time. It sets it up really well for future stories featuring the trio. I really, really wish they had had more than four episodes. That's really my only criticism for the show. Way too short. Too short. I left feeling so unfulfilled. It's not done. This is just when it's getting good. Watch it. It's so good. But don't watch it if you don't want to see animated entrails and blood and Richard Armitage saying fuck a lot. A lot of infant death. A whole lot of baby murder. What does Warren Ellis have against babies? I think the trope <laughs> here is to prove that Dracula is beyond redemption. And one of the ways you do that is by showing the death of children. He's past the moral event horizon. Bingo. Top mark. Welcome to the team. You can't harm children or animals in shows in general. They can be exposed to danger, but they're always saved at the last moment. So when you actually hurt those things, it makes an impact and shows you just how evil the person is. It's a major transgression. Dracula... Vengeance would have been more justifiable, I might say, if he had went after the people that were at that town, at the burning, and killed them. But he holds all of humanity guilty. Yeah. His vengeance is indiscriminate. You kind of get the sense that he has always had a sort of long-simmering distaste for humanity, and then it was just kind of put on pause when he met Lisa, and now it's unpaused, and he's able to let his freak flag fly. Of course, he mourns her in very anime dramatic fashion with a giant flaming head little speech about it was just like wow this is such an anime right now I mean, the sense I got from Dracula in the beginning was I want nothing to do with humanity. I've kind of isolated myself. I mean, I will kill whoever comes near me and to defend myself and all of that, but I'm not actively hunting people down. And then Lisa comes to him, shows him kind of the light and elevates him to actually wanting to help humanity. Then that light is extinguished and he becomes that much darker in the fall from that. Yeah. It's like once he's seen humanity's potential for goodness and then when they violate it, he's just like... His perspective is you could be better. You choose not to. Yeah. Yes. Because you have a choice. You're responsible for that choice. And I am the vengeance that will come down upon you. Let's race it. I am going to give Castlevania four out of five Vlad's moving castles. (laughs) (laughs) 
Bravo. I am going to give it four out of five well-incorporated expositional conversations. I will give it four and a half for the dead travel fast. And I will give it three and a half crutch shots. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that one. Oh. <laughs> Making your way in the world today. Takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your values. Sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Ah, ah, ah. So every week, we each bring a show to consider watching, and we each vote for a show, and we cannot vote for our own show. The show with the most votes is the next one that we will watch and review. I would like to nominate Tour de Pharmacy, which is an HBO original movie. It's a mockumentary about doping and cycling, and it stars some of my favorite comedians ever, and some non-comedians. It stars Andy Samberg, Orlando Bloom, and features friggin' David Dick from Hamilton. Oh. Yeah. It's gotten good reception from critics. It's supposed to be funny. I would like to nominate To The Bone. I know we've nominated this before, but I have done a bit more research on this, and I think it's a really interesting story. It's starring Lily Collins as Ellen and Keanu Reeves as a doctor who's in charge of a boarding home for people with psychological disorders. Uh-huh. Ellen is a 20-year-old with a, a problem she has anorexia. She's going to have to fit in with this doctor who behaves in a rather unusual way. This sounds like a well-reviewed, positively-reviewed film, and that's on Netflix. I am going to suggest we watch Ozark, which is a Netflix original series, stars Justin Bateman. It's the story of a accountant finance person who's in this money laundering scheme with the mob that goes wrong, and he flees the mob and takes his family to the Ozarks to escape that retaliation and the bloodbath that is coming for them. But of course, you can't leave your problems behind, right? So all the human drama and then the drama of the mob coming after them come through in this. It's supposed to be amazing. I really want to see it. I love those kind of tense crime noir dramas where there's crime intrigue happening. So I would like to see it. Hmm. So I am going to nominate Nico and the Sword of Light. It's a little animated ditty on Amazon and it just looks really cute. It's really well reviewed and it's based off of a fully animated comic book for the iPad. So that's kind of a cool concept. He's the last of his kind and he embarks on a quest to bring light back to his land. I think I will go with Ozark because I heart Jason Bateman. I very much enjoyed your description. I've seen trailers for Ozark and I think I'll go for that one as well. I think Tour de Pharmacy sounds hilarious, and I would like to watch that. So that's my... I'm really torn between tying it up. What happens in the event of a tie? We have double secret tie-breaking rules. I think it means we fight, right? Yeah, we fight to the death, basically. We just start punching. Internet fight. Fight, fight, fight. <laughs> we just make vague Facebook posts about each other until someone starts to cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet I could make you cry. <laughs> Anna, we had the bad therapist last week, not this week. Apparently we've gotten some feedback that we've spared some people the pain of watching that show, so... It's a public service. Yes. Oh, uh, one listener thanked us. We had a, another therapist from Texas who responded to the episode. Yes. We've had Canadians tell us all about Anne of Green Gables and how much they love it. People respond. It's nice to hear you. Please do comment. Yes. We'd love to hear from you, and if there's stuff you want to hear about, or if you want to hear us do any more silly voices, then just let us know. All right, Miss Hannah. Okay, so... 
I'm going to vote for Ozark. All right. There we go. Hannah, I did forgive you as soon as you did your four-part apology last time. Yeah. I forgave you like, completely. If you want to learn what that is, you should listen to the last episode, because... It's good. It's a good skill. And active listening. So that was Castlevania. You can find all kinds of nerd shenanigans, including our other podcast, Four Color Nerds Comic Book Reviews, at fourcolornerds.com or our Facebook page, Four Color Nerds. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Again, Four Color Nerds. And you can find the podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music. On Stitcher. On SoundCloud. And on Podcast Addict. Be sure to rate review and subscribe and come back next week for another episode until then keep streaming nerds i feel the same sorry the microphone slipped in front of my mouth (laughs) it's held together with like duct tape and fond wishes if you saw how i've been recording this podcast i picture like an old-timey ham radio operator it's like a dj alistair i think the picture of what you've done to keep your headset together needs to be tweeted out they want to know just how much we go through to bring this podcast to them talk about disintegrated bear in mind good <laughs> listeners that we don't make any money off this show no you should auction it off to the fan to the fan the first person to leave an itunes review can get an official gets a piece of podcast history and i will clean it before i send it i like that no no the earwax helps with the value oh my god the dna we don't need another cloned alistair what do you mean, another Clyde Alistair? We're already on Alistair 2.0. Wait, what? What? Oh, shit. I shouldn't have said anything. You can't let the clone know that he's a clone. I'm a clone? Oh, shit. We gotta kill him and go for Alistair 3.0. Oh, my God. We're running out of space in the bunker. <laughs> this is gonna... Fuck. What's this red dot? Ask him something only the real Alistair would know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God.